welcome to Rebel Radio, podcast about Celtic by two guys from opposite ends of the country. Uh, I'm Rab, one of your hosts. I'm James. I'm your uh, I'm your pal. He's my pal. What have you got today? So, well, I have got a tiny Rebel Raspberry Ripple Marshmallow Porter. Sub's you got. You change that last week. You said it's got a tiny Rebel, eh? Hi, tiny Rebel, mate. I think well, this is, that looks. Well, Diet Coke. Um, I think we should Definitely. address the, the name of this podcast because I've had a couple of people over the past week ask me whether or not this name has got anything to do with um, the Irish Republican movement and I feel like it's important right. that we clarify um, that that, yep. that is not the case. Um, Rebel Radio is the name... We've the case. <laughs> no, no. <it's> <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself, mate. Rebel Radio is the name of the radio network that was set up by Che Guevara in the 26th of July movement, um, as they swept through Cuba. Um, they basically use rebel radio as a means of keeping up morale, playing some music, you know, getting some information and updates to the troops, and I just feel like that's a very relevant name for the podcast in these days when we're not allowed to leave the house, and afterwards as well. So, aye, that's a good, uh, that's a good opportunity for me to clear that up. But I've got good. a question for you. Hit me. I think we're going to do this. I think we're going to start every week with a question. Um, a bit of trivia. That's going to uh, push your envelope a wee bit, make things a bit difficult for you. Ready? Go on then. What do Olivier and Cham, Alan Thompson, and David Fernandez all have in common? <coughs> Apart from being absolute ballers. Don't know about David Fernandez in that yeah, one, but I'd say Thompson He's and Livingston Cham days. So take a minute to think about that, right? So uh, I'm happy. To, uh, this is a hard one, right? I'm happy to guide you a wee bit if, if you reach uh, a sticky point. Is that a footballing connection? Of course it is. Right, okay. Did they all score against the same club and the first goal was against the same club? I, um, I would say that one of the things you said there is correct. Uh, they made their debuts against... You're colder. Uh, they've all scored... Think about competitions and what have them done for you. They've all sent us through to the next round of a European Cup competition. That's not it, no. <laughs> Is that warmer or colder? It's warmer. Very much warmer. Aye. So I can tell you... Do you want a clue? Aye, go on. Just a wee one. It's the Voss squad against the same team, and it was in Europe. You need to make guesses because otherwise the listeners are just going to be listening to you breathing heavily. No, I know this is. Doesn't make doesn't make good radio, does it? Doesn't <laughs> Right, so teams who's in in Cham County have scored against that many. You're correct. He hasn't. So the likelihood you remember this is right, but. He's so, but I know Neat Hink as well. Teams that we've played against, I think you're more likely to remember the one that Thompson Copenhagen. Fernandez scored against. Copenhagen, no, it's not no. Copenhagen. Uh, dun, dun. Who else have we played recently? We've played no, the, I would, again. I would concentrate more on Fernandez and Thompson because I think you're more likely to associate it with that era than this era. 
Portuguese teams. Do you want a hint? Aye, I'm not going to get this. Seville season. I know, it's. I can see the gold strip. I think. Uh, so what is it? First team we played after Basel. Your credentials are lying here, mate. You might be getting kicked off this man. podcast so you don't remember it's this. Bad juju I'll be the last the clue. The last clue. V for victory. I know, I know. I'm going through the south of a Blackburn, Liverpool. Before that? I know. I can't even fucking remember. <laughs> <laughs> the first team we played after FC Basel for Lithuania. Aye. There's people listening to this just now screaming. I know they are. I know they are, mate. Six people that listened last week. Uh, all five. That's what I was going to say. All five. Probably second time. I think they gave us a wee mercy listen the first time, but... I, can't, I don't know, mate. I'm under too much pressure now. I'm never going to get it. I've said it. You never said Sudiver? I absolutely did. I you can't wait to get edit this back. <laughs> I said Sudiver. I'm no joking, mate. I said Sudiver. Well, it was an You're going to hear this back. It was embarrassing, mate. I didn't did, did commit to it, to be fair. I will give I you the opportunity to insert that audio clip at the end. Uh, if you if you so wish, all right. No, no, I'm just going to make me saying so they're really loud compared to the rest of the audio. <laughs> you can edit yourself back in. Aye, um, no, I'm good there. It's one not with me. Anyhow, so keep track of that going forward. Um, you keep track of it. So I think today what we're going to do is we're going to chat a wee bit about the news. Um, no, there's too much yet, but we'll, we'll speak about current affairs and then we'll have a quick chat. Maybe a more extensive chat about our. Respective teams of the decade. Definitely. Um, this is a good opportunity to do this, not only because there's no football, but obviously we've just moved into a new decade. Um, so we'll do teams of the decade. Then, Candy Corner. Controversial Candy Corner this week. Bit of alliteration for you there. And then finally, we'll finish off with an absolute stoter of an on this day. Um, so let's get cracked on with the news then. Eh? So have you got anything you want to talk about? That's happened this week in Scottish football. Just the continuing evolution of this whole situation that we're in, with Rangers and SFA having a very open spat between each other. Um, Rangers released in two statements last week, saying we want all these different things investigated, we're not happy, we want it independently investigated. And then after the SPFA having their... Um, SPFL, whatever, having their tuppence retort they've released a statement saying we've got evidence but we're not showing anybody until an independent investigator is brought in so was Deloitte either, not brought in the past few weeks uh, that was to that was a different matter that they were investigating as far as I'm aware they were looking at the process of the the vote and then that, that was carried out to the letter of the law as far as I'm aware that's what I took it as anyway. But the I mean the seven things that they want is that the, it's the conduct of the general meeting that Rangers want investigated. Um they're not happy with what Deloitte said basically. Just <laughs> hilarious. It's a bit I think one of the kind of tasks we said last week when we thought about what we could speak about the day was to look at what's happening in other countries. Um I looked a wee bit at Portugal. Um, and you've looked a wee bit, I've said Portugal and Spain, and you've looked a wee bit around about as well. And as I kind of did this exercise, I've started to kind of come to the conclusion that 
I'm not entirely sure if they're actually going to need to worry about postponing the league or you know declaring the league over and and you know handing out money. I, I think they might be back sooner than sooner than folk think because at the minute in Portugal certainly um, they've just announced that they're looking I think to to get the league started pretty much um, whenever the health authorities sign off on it. Um, you've got actual regions of the country saying, look, we'd be happy to host these games behind closed doors. And, you know, obviously, I think, you've got, you've, I think the Algarve might have a few more hotels than we do, but um, but they've got sort of capacity to sort of basically isolate the players and uh, just allow them to play the games. Um, and I know that La Liga as well, um, they've effectively said as part of the four-point plan that the government are, are going to bring out to, to phase society back into some form of normality that... Football is a part of that, and that they're expecting players to go back to training pretty much as soon as possible. And they've actually got a kind of rough idea of the league, be 11 games to go finishing in, in July. I'm not saying that we're there yet, but I mean, is it you think it's possible that we might be back a wee bit sooner than folk think that this requirement for us to sort of find you know, a solution to this issue might, might, be not, might itself be irrelevant? Or do you think the financial pressure on Scottish clubs is probably a bit more significant than it is on, on the Spanish clubs? And as such, they're probably going to want the payout for the, for the league sooner rather than later. Aye, aye, that's what I was going to suggest, that the these clubs, as much as they do take a lot more money from TV revenue and everything than what we do, they're a wee bit more self-sustaining, I believe, and they can deal with the hit of not having to play football as long as we can. Their resources are much wider as well. So I think it's a to- it's it's totally different. We are just such a small fish compared to these other leagues and these other teams that what's happening in our league has to be taken on an independent basis. Like we can't base our decision on what somebody like Belgium is doing or Spain or Italy or France. Like it's just we are such minnows <laughs> that we need to we need to think for ourselves. We need to come up with our own plan. We can't be. We can't be following any other countries, unfortunately, because it just—I no, I don't think their models will fit. I think you're right. Um, I think it's it's more complex here just because of the sort of dependency on that payout at the end of every year. And there's another aspect to it as well, which is one of my mates, a, a buddy, he's a Samaritan fan, and he was talking about how getting into the top six for them can be worth as much as four hundred thousand pound a year, just off the back again to play against the Elite Rangers twice. You know, and that's quite a significant. So I wonder if the, the ripples off the back of this will be felt for a longer period of time as clubs miss out on on even paydays like that. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I think that our problems are a wee bit more significant financially than, than some of these other leagues. And as a result, we probably need to sort of determine our own, our own outcome. I noticed that the Dutch declared that null and void, or at least finished, didn't they? But it looks as if well, they're talking about reversing that as well. Aye, eh? I, I was going to talk about that. The uh, the team at the top of uh, the first or their second tier, whatever you want to call it, Canberra, they're 11 points clear. What's that called? Understandably. Sorry, Cambour, C A M B W R, Cambour. Anyway, they're on points clear and they are understandably pissed off at having their dreams mm-hmm. ruined by the governing body saying nah, nobody's coming up, nobody's going down. Mm-hmm. So they've uh, they're taking the decision to bring in lawyers, they've taken the decision to bring in lawyers, and I they might need to go back on it. Um, aye, there's, there's, it's quite tight at the bottom of the, the first the Eredivisie as well like there's um, one at the bottom the, the team that is bottom is quite a bit off I think I think there are what are they four points and then seven aye 
there's there's a fair spread, but uh, one man who'll be very relieved is uh, Alan Pardew. Why? Do you know why? I'm guessing he's a guy. Alan Pardew. Important. Alan Pardew was managing Den Hag. <laughs> I did not know that. I I I think it was one of the things I saw on Facebook. He's he's not quite reached Steve McLaren levels of no, but yet, he's doing a good impression. Him. <laughs> Are they mints? Uh, aye, so he's left after how many assistant left after eight games? Guess how many wins they got. He's left after eight games. He's left after eight games. Aye, one, after one this win. decision came in, well, aye, one win and that one was win. it. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, that's a weekly divisa roundup done. Um, get it up, get it up, Alan Pardew. Get it up, them. It's the bottom line. Uh, he's mince anyway. No, okay, well, I mean, I think, I think the the bottom line is I don't think either of you really know fully what the script is. I don't think MD really does. It seems like statement war with Rangers and the SPFL. I don't know what the actual count is on Rangers statements in the past year or two, but it just seems as if every couple of days, isn't it? Aye, mere statements and points, mate. <laughs> mere statements and trophies, anyway. Aye. Um Okay, team of the decade. Let's do it. Okay, so there's some criteria for this. It's not just a case of, you know, throwing lames in a hat, see what you come up with. You're one to 11 of players for the past decade. The criteria is that they must have played for Celtic from the 1st of January 2010 to the 31st of December 2019. They must have made more than 50 appearances, and I've put down that they can't be Kieran Tierney. Um, but that's you know that's I guess a wee bit of interpretation there. Formation's <coughs> up to you. Um, I've got a friendly subs bench, so I've got about fifteen guys in a subs bench, but that's fine. Everybody can get a couple of minutes, uh-huh. um, and I won't go into too much detail about them. But there was just that many players. I didn't want to really leave out. It's, I think I'm right in saying it's the most successful decade in our history. Is that right? It uh, must be. It can't. I can't uh, can imagine many better than that. Other than maybe. But even the lines 60s, would have been the late sixties, early seventies. I didn't pick up until. Aye. You think about Aye, it? Ball. Probably must be in a bit dangerous. I'm, I'm fairly certain we're going to agree on the goalkeeper here. Fraser Foster. Fraser Foster. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Fraser Foster. Well, got Grand Morales. What's that you say, man? He's, he's absolutely outstanding. So I was about. It's a shame we've not kept him on a permit, to be honest. I think it's like a lot of players, they go south and things go, their careers go south. As well, and fair play, man. The big man had a good first season when he left, warranted his England call and everything. But then he's just kind of fallen away for it, and he's he just needs to be off, I think, and he gets that here because he's been come back when he came back there. He's been rev- revolutionary. It's unbelievable the difference, like how calm I am when I'm watching Celtic now. Like, <laughs> but I what a, what a player, man. So. The two other can well, I guess the two other sort of big competitors would have been the Holy Holy played for six months before he left uh, in two thousand ten, yes. but it's a different era, um. So I don't really think you could you could put him into this bracket. No. But the other would have been Craig Gordon. Um, Craig Gordon's a fine goalkeeper, you know, no doubt. Yeah. But he, just to touch on your point, he was an absolute. He gave me the fear. Whenever you know that that game against I think it was Salzburg at home or Leipzig at home, um, where he one of the one of the dual teams. Aye. You know, when he would get through anyway, um, but you know, he punted a ball to the centre forward to it. And I just felt watching him, I just felt, he done it against Inter Milan as well, but watching him every week, I just felt as if he's going to do that. He's got a mistake in him. You know, he's got a mistake in him on the biggest stage. Well, lucky, 
that night it wasn't really important um, we get through anyway thanks to big boy for Rosenberg but um, I just, he's one of the guys I just I could never take to him as a silly goalkeeper and of course Big Eddie scores a last minute winner at Hearts last season he does the jump off the bench to celebrate so that was me he's a great goalkeeper for us but <coughs> I, th- I agree with you totally I think Fraser Foster's been outstanding at Celtic and I was off cut a couple of months ago up at McDermott Park on a Wednesday night and I started having a conversation with my cousin about whether or not Foster by the time he leaves Celtic would be classed as a Celtic legend now a Celtic great and a Celtic legend depends on you know really your criteria and I don't think there's many folk that are Celtic legends I think it could be a, a number of factors that would lead to it and obviously in my excited state at that point I was declaring that maybe I mean he's only what 32 Aye, something like that. If we can get him back up the road, a permanent, a permanent deal here, and he's got seven or eight years left of him, could we look at a guy there that's you know that's going to leave a massive trophy off of Celtic and, and effectively gave some of his best years to the club at a time when he could probably could have made his money elsewhere and and done other things? You know exactly as you said, he's come back up here because he he loves the place and certainly all the noises that you're hearing for his agent and and for folk at Southampton is that he doesn't really want to go back down south. He seems quite content up here. Now, three months from now, I could be sitting here going, you know. He just came back up to boost his ego on his way back down south again. You don't know how things are going to how things are going to pan out, but for me at the minute he's a Celtic great, and I think that in you know if he can prove himself up now seven or eight years up here and sign for us and, and stay for a long haul, I think he's he's as good a keeper as we've had in a long, long time. Um, so he was 100%. he was a shooty in for me. Aye, tapping no bother. Right, yeah, back. right. Who who's again? I think this one's probably going to be the same. But PC Lustig. PC Lustig as well, I, I did, I did, uh, I did sort of circle the dream with this one a wee bit because I, I really liked Adam Matthews. I've got I've, see that's saying I've got Gordon on my bench and Adam Matthews on my bench. And I really liked Adam Matthews. I thought he was a terrific right back, and I thought, <laughs> I thought he offered us something different now to speak to Lustig's qualities. Hundred and fifty appearances, roughly, you know, roughly about fifteen goals for his. And I remember when he first signed for us, he, he he actually had a half a year of pace, you know, he wasn't he wasn't the fastest guy, but there was rarely kind of players zooming by him, you know. I think Lustig's legacy for me is is there's two things that stick out for me apart from the PC Lustig stuff. He's goal away to Hearts in the seven 0 game at Tynecastle, remember? For right Aye. back, then I'm a bit of run forward and just clipped it right into the back post. <laughs> and then uh, obviously the goal at Ibrox, um, you know, which we'll which we'll touch on later, but I'll leave that one out. And it's definitely Jamie Murphy. You know, if you remember, he was kind of Aye, looking at his in my pocket. I love Lustig, and he's in my team here, deservedly so. But I think we hung on to him for a a season or two too long. Um, and I think it's sort of at the minute. It's I think we'll look back on him in future as a Celtic, you know, as a great Celtic player. But I, I think at the minute it's a bit raw still. He did let us down a lot last season uh, and the season before. I how many points did he give away? He cost us big time away to Zenit. He cost us away to Athens. You know, you're talking games here, I mean, and certainly at Ibrox in the December game. You know, he, you're not saying he's a guy that was directly responsible for these things, but I, I do think he really substantially fell off in the last couple of years of his time at the club. I think they could have done him a favour. I think they should have had an understudy. They should have had somebody that could have played that role and supported him, or even allowed him to tuck in one. Because you had a lot of games earlier in the season, 2017, 2018, and he was still a first choice right back, but he's a guy who could always do a job inside at centre half and his height, he was always quite comfortable in there, I thought. Um and he would have deputised in there instead of maybe a beat on and made the appearances that he's made at centre half. 
obviously he's left in no the greatest of terms, but I think uh, I think when you look at his body of work when he first joined the club in his first six or seven years, where he was, uh, excuse me, his first five or six years, where he was absolutely outstanding. Swedish international, played at all the European Championships, at the World Cups, great pedigree, good height, you know, very rarely the, the, the cause of goals initially in his Celtic career. But it was a, it was a cracking right back. Aye. Some banter and all, and great buzz. Some banter. Very well liked within all the squads as well. He was always, you know, uh, quite popular looking at all the behind the scenes and nights and all that and their Instagrams and Twitter and stuff. So, big he must have been a sound, sound big guy. Aye, aye. Don't get that. Like to stick a prawn in people's coffee. And coffees, aye. But, aye, uh, there you go. Well, so, you better go left back joke. or centre half? I uh, just work our way across. So, centre back. So. My number five. Ah, it will be because I've got quite a controversial one of the two of them. One of them's another tapping. Big okay. Virgil. Is the tapping? Because I've not got him. Have you not? Right, that is controversial. I can't wait. I struggled a bit with centre backs, by the way. Um, aye. It's for every Celtic player that's played with him, he come out and say that he was arguably the best player they've played with. It just speaks volumes to the big man. He just walks in for Holland and then just make the Scottish League look like Sunday League. And if there's so many good players that pass through the league that can't do that. And they do it elsewhere as well. So it's just that the big man is an absolute role. We will be lucky if we see another centre-half of his quality probably in our lifetimes. Um. Aye, and it's he was robbed of that Ballon d'Or. <laughs> robbed. Um, I listened to uh, Grant Hanley and Scott Brown interviews. I've been watching them. Asked the captain no. stuff they've been doing through the daft a bit. He said that Big Virgil obviously was the best player he's played with at Celtic, and uh, he actually spoke about how he came in a wee bit heavy, carrying a wee bit too much timber. Lenny had him in the the gym doing double sessions, and and eventually obviously he kind of produced the form that he had at Celtic. I've not got with my team. Um, no, because he was he's, he's easily the best player out of either of the two teams that we've listed. But I've kind of gave a weighting a wee bit differently um, to, to how I how I've done my team. I've not gave it based on who is actually the best player. I've gave it on things like appearances and, and goals they've scored that are important to us and and things like that. Um, and partly Petodre, where he scored that goal in the two one game in November two thousand fourteen. Remember the back post for the for the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, he nearly scored against Maribor. Remember, he put him up front for the last five minutes in the Champions League qualifier, and he, he was still, still the best striker in the park. Wasn't he? Should have started him up front. He was outstanding. <laughs> um, he nearly scored that goal, but obviously free kicks and goals against Johnston. But he kind of played at a time when I look back on that decade. He kind of played. I would say that they two years under Dyla and you know Lennon's last season, he really played for us at a time, and we weren't really that. There wasn't really much going on, was there? When you yeah, look at it, you know, they're really threatened in a league and in Europe or just quite mediocre. And you know, you get, obviously, you know, you don't want to, I'm not saying that Big Virgil van Dijk is near to the fixing it off, but getting sent off at the San Siro and that as well, you know, I just think there's a. I thought that was harsh. I thought it was harsh, but. He's, well, I think his second booking was was justified, if I remember right. His first one was harsh. One of the two, anyway, you get done for. I'm, I don't doubt his quality. He's the best player in the world, and, you know, on form of the past couple of seasons. and no doubt his quality, but I've, I've skipped him at my team and I have um, placed another guy at centre-back who isn't probably really a centre-back, but played there for us. Um, oh, big Vic. 
big one yammer. He's my centre half. Need to get him in somewhere. I need to get him in. Absolutely <laughs> loved him. Um, he was a tremendous Celtic player, and I've never. It's very rare that you see a guy play at a decent level like in Scotland, where he can just sort of, he can just sort of take games with the scruff of the neck like Big Vic did, and he would sit in that sort of defensive midfield role and and just mop up and sweep up and, you know, he just made. He just made the game look quite simple. I remember when he first signed and all, he was just absolutely volleying passes at people's feet for <laughs> <laughs> five, year, five years away. Yeah, um, take that. Bang. How's your touch? And he took a couple of months, if you remember, to sort of settle in. But when he broke into the team and and sort of made that sort of defensive midfield role he's in, and obviously he, could be, he quite, quite often played at, at centre-half as well for us, I just thought he was, he was on another planet. He was absolutely outstanding. Have you got me your team? Aye. Okay. Aye, of course. If you want me, I'm assuming you've got uh, me in the centre mid. I've got him in. Okay, we'll come to in capacity in midfield. We'll, we'll come to that. Uh, um, I, the reason I've put him in over Van Dijk um, is, I guess, maybe for the same reason. If I guess it was his timing. Van well, yeah, I played for us at a time when things were a wee bit tighter. You know what I mean? Like it was a wee bit more on the line when Van yeah, played for us as opposed to Van Dijk. And the same for aye. the next guy I've got. Um, I would I reckon if Van Dijk played for say like you know at the time when Yama did he'd have been in my team without a shadow of a doubt but um, but I love Big Vic and I just had to get him into my team. Who else have you got centre half? Who's your who's your second centre half? A second centre half is Christopher Ayer of all people, which is which will be a shock, but I don't know man I just big man's such a warrior, and you know he's he's good for a bad pass he's good for diving into a tackle but. He's, see as soon as there's a scrap anywhere in the park big man's there and he's often head and shoulders above everybody else slinging people out the way he's got everybody's back and I reckon he will be if we keep him for another couple of se- seasons he'll be something else it'll be frightening he's the next 25-30 million pounder that will go but I, I just I, I like the kind of calmness of Virgil mm-hmm. and then the warrior spirit that big Ayer would embody and I think the two of them at centre back would be frightening, man. It'd be, it'd be something else. I think you're right. You're, you're going to hate who I, I was close to putting in, and everybody's going to hate me for this. Boyata. Well, I was close to Boyata. If he wasn't such a shite bag for Athens and just running that contract down instead of boosting him and, and getting some cash for his. Well, I think we got 18 months at Boyata, didn't we? Really, we got, we got a good 18 months out of him. After that, he was a bit flaky, but he never really broke through until the January 17 of Rogers' first season. And, and Rogers said his work ethic was excellent, and he was a, you know, he was a, you know, obviously he was a good centre half, but he was still too partial for me to. Aye, mistakes, he's, not, he's not even made the bench, but that's Aye, I, I just I wouldn't have him, wouldn't have him near it. Um, I reckon you're right, mate. I love Big Ayer. I think uh, Christopher Ayer's a terrific Celtic centre half, and, and for all the qualities you mentioned. For a guy who's six foot four, he is quite poor in the air, but he still holds his own. I think you know, especially in teams against Scotland, he can uh, against teams in Scotland, he can he can hold his own well. And as you say, he offers us a physical element at centre half that I don't think Big Julian's quite grasped yet. I think Julian don't get there, but I think he doesn't really throw his weight about as which is, as I mentioned last week as, as much as he maybe should. But right. I like Big Ayer. I think he's a cracking centre half, and I'd like us to uh, to get him penned in because as you say. If he, if he sticks for another three or four years here, he could be a really a really good centre half. And by the way, this came out of nowhere. Like you know, obviously he signed under Dial at sixteen, and he was playing at centre midfield. And you, he was just a big long, big lanky kid. But I remember when he went to Kilmarnock, mates who follow Kilmarnock were saying he's going to be you know 
he's going to be really outstanding. And funnily enough, he was managed by Elbows, haven't he? Lee McCulloch. So, Shite. Um, right. I, 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 I can see why you've... Uh, I can see why you've put him in there. I've got Charlie Mulgrew. Um, another guy who could have played in centre midfield, but... Aye. I love Charlie Mulgrew. Um, another one, like Big Wanyama, I've got such fond memory, uh, memories of him for that era. Uh, what I liked about him is his versatility. Um, but I just, I loved the way... He, kind of no dissimilar to Big Ayer. He was always the first one he's fitting, but he was classy. You know, he was a big classy centre-half when he played there, and he could, he could ping a ball, certainly, and he could, you know, how many centre-halves you've seen taking free kicks and then moving to left mid for a second-half, or... You know Aye. these performances in Europe, where he where he did play out a position and you know play at left mid or, or whatnot. He was he was outstanding for us, and Aye. just always thought he was a guy who was constantly a seven out of ten performer. You know he was he would very rarely, very rarely cost you goals. And off the top of my head, I can, I'm sure you know, I'm sure somebody be asking this just now going you know you did this or you did that. But off the top of my head, I can't remember much important goals. The first goal in the three 0 game, the last ever old fun game. Um, the two goals he scored and he, I think he assisted two as well in the last game of the season away to Kilmarnock he was just a guy that um, I just I just liked I felt comfortable when his name was in the team sheet and he was solid and reliable and he played a, a few good centre-halves at Celtic but I thought the club didn't really handle his departure too well no you know, he, definitely not my understanding is that he was offered a, 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 new, a, a new contract on reduced terms and he was a guy that I'd like to have seen play under Rodgers um, in that 2016 team because we struggled for centre halves, and you know he shipped out Mulgrew and Bolton and Toure, and Toure was a good centre half for us for the twelve games he played or whatnot. Aye. But I'd like to have seen Big Mulgrew and seen if he had any uh, progressions of Rogers at thirty. But um, it is what it is. Right, Maldini. Maldini makes my bench. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so for left back, I'm going to have to shut my ears for the next five minutes. No. No, I've it's gone for Emilio. Is he? Yes. Yes. Aye. Good man. <laughs> Um, yes, Aye. I've got Emilio as well, mate. Aye. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. you know, if I'm doing this in absolute pure merit, then I reckon Katie, Kieran Tierney would probably be <laughs> in me a, I mean, be in me a uh, shout, you know what I mean? Definitely. But uh, I just couldn't do it. I, I loved Emilio. Um, what, what made you put him in your team? He just, he kind of, that, that season, that 2010-11, was, that's one of the best full-back displays over the course of a season I think I've ever seen, even as good as Tierney, if you or better if you want. He was a breath of fresh air up and down that and he, I don't think he stopped running for about forty games. It was unbelievable. Um and it was just kinda of what we needed, to be honest, because we were getting stagnating a wee bit and we needed that dynamism for the back, giving us that width. And he he provided that, he was class. And he went away, he just bad injury and he came back and he was he done a Larson, he was great when he came back as well. Was, and he, he loves it, like, he absolutely loves it, he loves it and breathes it. Like, he's I one think, of the guys that just gets it. I think you touched on a good point there about his dynamism and, and often there's something uh, going forward. See that 2010 World Cup, I watched that in Thailand. And I remember, obviously, Lennon had just took her um, by a couple of months. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, like watching these games, and I was watching like you know teams like Honduras and you know South Korea and that sort of stuff, and, and Costa Rica, and think to myself, you know, we never seen guys for countries like that, you know. <laughs> and I think Lennon must have been watching that World Cup because Chad Uri was a standout performer for South Korea, and Emilio was a, an outstanding performer uh, performer for South uh, for Honduras. And I remember when we signed him at first, what six hundred grand for for Motagua, and exactly <laughs> as you say, a fullback winning Player of the Year. 
you know what I mean? Like, how many times do you do you, you hear about that stuff happening? And he, he was outstanding. And I think the dynamism you mentioned is bang on because we played a style of football that, despite the fact it was a sort of, if you look at that team, it was like a bit of a three-five-two, but it sort of converted more into a, you know, you look at the midfield that we played with Yama and, and Ledley and, and Brown and Key. There wasn't much width there. Forrest on the right, but on the left there wasn't a great deal of width. Stokes and Hooper could play. Stokes would usually sit on the left, but you, you would be inside constantly. So he's like, he just effectively played that left-hand Full side himself. Nagel ever sums up a player like that one where he, he laid it in for Hooper. Um, remember when Hooper at the back post against Rangers at home? Aye. I think it was the 3-0 game, wasn't it? Um, he, no, it wasn't. It was a 2-0 game in no, February 2010. Yeah, it was a three. It was a it was a two 0 game in February two thousand and eleven. I should say, um, and he, he he plays that one two. I think it is with Samaras and Hooper gets to the back post and he just does the entire left hand side of the oh, field himself. Aye. The one who put his slides in at the back post and gets it with the absolute touch his boot, but the ball was just he'd get extra long studs on that day. Exactly, <laughs> aye, and he was okay, he was a terrific fullback and. There's another one I think we maybe hung on to him a wee bit longer than we should have, um, you know, because he, he sort of did fall away a wee bit as well. And I said a guy who again in Europe in 2015-16 he was kind of costing us a few goals, you know. But Aye. but you know, I think the club collectively knew that, or the coaches at the club knew that, you know, Tierney wouldn't be long behind him, um, and eventually that's that's what happened. But I have got my I've got my left back as well. So we're both Good. at back fours. Are you playing a four four two? Are you playing a what are you playing? I am. Um Playing a four three two one. Okay, I'm playing. I'm playing a four three three. This could quite easily be a four three three as well. To be fair, it's. So you want to start with the midfielder? I'll just. I'm. I'm not really put these in in any specific. I mean, I have. I've put numbers next to them. My, my number six is Wanyama. Mm-hmm. So my holding mid, is Wanyama. Um, we've already covered. What he gives you. Phenomenal player, man. Absolute yep. unit. Uh, my eight is Brown. Can I know of Scott Brown? Well, just before you move on with one, yeah, I never mentioned when I was speaking about Miller on about his goals. Um, and there's two in particular, obviously, Barcelona at home. Um, mm-hmm. But his goal against Hearts at home, remember? We played Hearts at home in, in December 2011. And it was the last season uh, Rangers uh, played in the, in the Premiership before they were liquidated. And um, we were four points behind them, seven points behind them when we played Hearts at home. It was freezing cold. And uh, he scored that absolute rasper. He had a goal through outside the box. Um, and then Boric saved the last minute penalty. And it was a decent Hearts team as well. And I remember that goal, you know, kind of gave us a bit of momentum. Because if you recall, it was a season where we were 15 points behind, you know, and Jelovic was saying that the season was finished in the pattern in the October, you know, and, and you know, the, the goals were big goals for us. And, in hindsight, it might seem a bit insignificant now, given how many points we won the league by. But at the time, that was a big, a big goal for us. I think that was another thing about Big Vicky. He never scored too many for us, but he's all, he was always, always good for a goal. Um, I think about ten, fifteen goals he scored for us over the course of his career. So, so I definitely have him in my team either way. So you've got Brown in there as well. I've got Brown in there. Aye, I think. I mean, there's no been a servant to Celtic is, you know, dedicated and is decorated as Scott Brown in the last. 30 years, maybe. <laughs> you know, Packy Bonner maybe would have been, we know it's decorated, aye, but you know, it would have, would have been in terms of... Aye, and just, again, that's, that's a, a similar thing to Ayer. He's, it's not just his work ethic and his, 
his footballing skill that he brings to that. He's, he's all round off the ball and behind the scenes, squad management, if you like. He's in about everything. He's, every day looks to him. He's the first man on the training pitch. He's the last man off it. Cutting about with a t-shirt on, minus 18 degrees in Russia. Mm-hmm. Psycho, man. Absolute <laughs> psycho. You need somebody like that. And I think Bruni is... I mean, statue? Mm. I mean, we, is there a chat of a Bruni you know statue? No, there's no... I was actually, as part of this, me. I was looking at his... Um, I was looking at his uh, stat list and... If he plays another season for his his contract's not up for another fifteen month race, so he's just scheduled to finish at the end of next season. So let's say, you know, touch any wood, Scott Brown stays for another fifteen months, Celtic lift ten in a row, he makes another fifty or sixty appearances next year. Scott Brown would leave Celtic as sixth, seventh, or he's currently eighth, I think, but he's only three or four appearances behind whoever's in seventh. Um seventh or sixth top appearance maker for Celtic is currently around six hundred. To get to 650, he'll be, he'll be six. In terms of the trophy table, now this is for both managers and players, right? Willie Maley's got 34 trophies. Caesar, 31. Steen, 27. Lennox, 25. Scott Brown and Jimmy Johnston are tied on 19 trophies for Celtic. Now that's in 12 years, you know, that he's he's put together 19 trophies only as a player. And he's in a top uh, six or top five all-time um, most successful players in terms of trophies. I don't know if there's going to be a statue or no. I think we're maybe 20 no, years away for that. Know, but see, for me, I think a lot of the stuff you've, you've touched on there is, is he sort of embodies this era, doesn't he? he Aye. You know, he's he's just... He embodies that relentless stuff. You know, he's a guy that just... You never see him with a heat on. You never see him... And even when he was playing under dialect, it was the end of that season where he sort of admitted himself he wasn't fully fit. He was taking injections. He was, he was a guy who just constantly had to fit in and was always uh, there or thereabouts in it. If you actually remember under Lennon, under Lennon's first couple of seasons, he wasn't he always guaranteed a regular starting berth. I think Strachan was playing him at right mid at one point, and, and Lennon, Lennon had him right at yeah, a midfield three. And you know, he, he had more legs about him at that point, though, and that was more of his. That was his game was a bit more bombing forward, and all that. But and as well, the midfielders we had at that time, he, he, he wasn't probably the best in the squad at that time, so he wasn't the most suited for the for the job. He's a guy that's he's. he's Completely and utterly, he's just honed his skills, isn't he? And he's he's got better as he gets older. And there was an argument, that a sort of debate, popped up recently whether or not Ferguson, Barry Ferguson, or Scott Brown was, you know, the, the better the better player. And you know, that's for other people to talk about. I don't really see it as much yeah, as much a yeah, debate personally. But I think what separates him from other players I've seen at Celtic over the years is just that Celtic Rangers fixture. You've, you know, I've never seen a guy apart from maybe Larson. He's you know, he's prime, but even then it was a wee bit different. Dominate that fixture the way that he's done for the past three or four seasons, and you could argue that the only two times we've lost that game has been the times where he's been off the boil, um, right. or he's been marked at the game. You know, one of the two. Basically, yep. if he turns up and plays, then then we're going to be all right. And I often wonder when we watch him away in Europe when he's having these virtuoso performances away at Lazio and that stuff. Whether or not other guys are looking at it, going, "Christ, who's he?" You know what I mean? The way we would look at maybe a guy like Hibbert or something like that, you know, and go, "This guy's <laughs> ran the game." You know what I mean? And you just take him for granted in some respects, you know. Aye, a terrific, terrific uh, Celtic seven. He gets a he gets a bad rep as well, a bad rap for being this kind of hard man, this thug. He's only been sent off like three times, and that's unbelievable. That he still gets labelled as that kind of hatchet man. I don't think he gets that anymore. 
I don't, I don't get that vibe anymore. Like to be pressing media in Scotland, ah, I don't get that impression. But um, each, you know, you may be picking up differently for but me. But it's for, it'll be for the, all the English outlets and all the European that, ones and all that. So. And they're like, oh, there you go. It's one of the, it's just th- flipping throwaway comments in our European games, for example, where he will pick up a button for. It's a professional foul. He's not done the guy, right? And he's just tripped him or pulled his jersey and it's like, oh, another booking for Brown. It's, mm-hmm. it's not... That, what do you mean, another? <laughs> I mean, for me, certainly, I, I can see what you mean, maybe if the commentator's not talking about him in that regard, but he's... When he first joined, I think that was the the, the kind of 2008, 2009 well, period, that was the rumour and reputation. He kind of cleaned his act up, didn't he, a wee bit under Strachan, but certainly he's, he's just... Guys leaving see like next year dripping in trophies, you know what I mean? He's done everything there is to do really for us and apart from maybe a right good European run, but you know he's been he's been incredible for us. Um, Aye. So I I'm no surprised I've got him in there. I have got him in there. Um, Aye, do you want to go so you said you've got another midfielder in here, aye? I've got one mayor and a midfield three, aye. Okay. Joe so Leslie. Uh, I took I him out I last month. I love Joe Ledley. And I've got in brackets next to it, it could easily be Cal McGregor. But I've just I've went nostalgia more than anything. I just I was gutted when Ledley left because he was another one that was just a bit of class, a calm head in the middle of the park. And I don't know how many times when I'm steaming I go and I watch his through body Samaras for that goal against Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> because it is so good. It is either needle material, it is class. And that's just that just speaks volumes. That is him or the back. He was brilliant. I loved him. He, he just, he was a like, and then the, you know people use the phrase fetch and carry man in midfield. You know what I mean? A guy who can take the ball and pass it and just you know move it around. And Lambert could date for Celtic, and you see guys in a modern game now date and and sort of look at Modric and that sort of stuff. And I think Ledley had a wee bit more sort of aggression in his game than that. He was a wee bit more sort of you know he was a hard tackler and a bit of dig to him, but. I did think he was really good at just doing the simple thing in midfield and getting the ball and, and turning and starting attacks and you know you remember when he signed for us at first for Cardiff City he was he was linked with Roma and all that as well you know I think he's a guy oh, that gave me a big he dragged rip. Cardiff he, him and the Captain, I think it was Whittingham something. something like that aye. there was the there was a winger that the guy that died recently actually I think it was Whittingham his name is the guy the left footed player he was uh, absolutely frightening for dead balls him and Ledley the two of them dragged Cardiff right up that year. I can see why you've put him in. I thought he was a, a terrific player, and he, he did sort of similar to one Yama, sort of typify that era. You know that Ledley one Yama midfield wasn't he? Wasn't he really be messed about with you? Know what I mean, it was it was okay, but I opted out of putting putting him in my team solely on a basis that he never played ways for anywhere. What was it? Two seasons, three seasons, two seasons, two uh, seasons, and, and whilst whilst that normally would sort of get a player into my team in the circumstance of one Yama when they're truly exceptional. I thought the competition in midfield for me was a bit tight, uh, and actually I took him out last second for somebody else. But I, in my other midfield spot, I do have Callum McGregor. Um, I remember his debut for us um, under Dyla when we played a bit of Reykjavik in Iceland, and he scored. We won one 0 and I didn't really know too much about him other than that he was widely touted that he was a left winger and that he played doing doing at Nottingham. I think it was Notts County, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And if you remember, he, he broke into the team with a bit of a bang. You know, he, he scored against Reykjavik away, and then a couple of weeks later, I think he scored against Legia as well. If we get, I think we got beat four two. Yep. We beat them three 0 at Murrayfield. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's see about that a bit. <laughs> but we, uh, you, you know, he, 
he looked good and then his form really fell away. And I don't think Dyla really took much to him, but Dyla was quite rigid with his team selection. You know, Dyla was that sort of midfield five of Scott Brown, Stefan Janssen, Forrest Armstrong, Mackay Stephen, or, you know, Forrest Commons and Armstrong on the left. You know, he was a bit rigid and McGregor never really came into his plans much for for the period under Dyla. But, of course, when Rodgers came in, he just, that was him. You know, he was he was gone and he's, he's just not really stopped since. He's been an incredible player for us in the past two or three seasons and, Again, we mentioned it last week, but just the sheer number of minutes you get out of him every year is unbelievable. I think that figure about him being, you know, a player that's played more than any player in world football in two thousand eighteen, it's just incredible how consistent he is. And even that game a, a few weeks ago when we played St Johnston away, big uh, Julian scored. I think it was. I think he claimed it, but it was a ball in for uh, for McGregor. Even at that game, there it's absolutely. Pissing, doing in, you know horrendous conditions, and he's just there all the time. He's Aye. in the back taking a ball off a goalkeeper. He's turning. He's starting attacks. He's, you know, and he's a guy. He's still quite young. I think he's about twenty six, and he's got a few years left. he's got a few years left in his contract. I mean, he's for me. He's a shoe in as your next captain, and um, you know, obviously, he's a couple of stains in his record, missing that chance in Munch and glad back. That was a oh, absolute yeah, badge. But you can't hold that against him. You know, he's go against Zenit. I think made up for that and. Even his Aye. performance at left back in the cup final, you know, he's 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 dynamic and he's just never getting any trouble at him. You know, I think he had that scare when he was younger, and apart from that, you know, you just never hear a, a peep at him. And consummate professional, and for me, he's he's a shooting in for for my starting eleven. Yep, it's good to come off the bench. That's for honest. <laughs> for me, <laughs> when you get sixty five minutes at Leslie. So who have you got next? I so for, I'll go for my two wide men. So the first wide man that I have is James Forrest, mm-hmm. another Mr Celtic. It's, I could do a whole segment, I think I might do a whole segment at some point on the myth of James Forrest no turning up and James Forrest no being as good a player as everybody wants to make out of me because there's a section of the support that gets on my lick. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't appreciate how good James Forrest is. Um, it's not an accident that you play that many games for Celtic and you stay that many years and you score that many goals mm-hmm. and, and provide that many assists. The boy is a grafter. He's, he loves the club. He is Celtic through and through as well. Um, and he's another one that's going to leave a massive trophy hall to his name. His medal cabinet is going to be overflowing. It's phenomenal. We play, what a player. I've got him as well. Um, I've got him at right wing. So I've got him mm-hmm. at my, he's right in my four three three. So I need to come back and address my last midfielder um, after right. this pick. Um, but I've got him at the right in my four three three. He's twenty eight, eighteen trophies, four hundred appearances. He's approaching a hundred goals for the club. I totally agree with you, mate. I think that when you look back at even you know times that his forms dipped under Dyla, for example, he was our best player in that European campaign. And you know, I don't personally see it either, mate. I don't see how folk can watch and, and and I can see in individual one-on-one situations you know you can just beat a guy and maybe that might frustrate people or you know that he doesn't just take a guy on for pace every time he tries to be a bit more sort of crafty but I just think he's a tremendous Celtic player and I saw a, a post on social media yesterday the guy saying you know if he signed for Man City's academy or if he had a Spanish surname you know he, he would be classed as, a, as an all-time Celtic great but for me he's already in that category and if, if we're lucky enough to get a hold of him for the next two or three years and you know, 
hopefully the guy can finish his career at Celtic, which I don't really see happening. I think he's a guy who, who just loves playing football and you know would want to go uh, and play at other levels. Um, if if we can get a hold of him to the end of his career, he'll be a Celtic great for for me. And Aye. I think he's already kind of close to that. I mean, you look at again another guy who's trophy hall. I think he's what eight league titles, five Scottish cups, three league cups. You know that's ridiculous. That's eighteen trophies. You know, Brilliant. and, and uh, sorry, sixteen trophies, and that's in itself is is is, is amazing. So some player. It's the same um, as and him and uh, how McGregor. If they we couldn't afford to buy them if they were oh. in the products of our youth academy. Or from another team in Scotland. If they came from anywhere else, we could not afford them. And I think when you look at our left wing, and you look at the number of players that have played left wing for Celtic in the past 10 years, we genuinely have to had to worry about a right winger for 10 years. No. You know, since, since Forrest made his debut, we've no had to worry about a, a right wing. And you look at the number of players that we've had that have played at left wing for us and how inconsistent it's been. Could say a, a new player's played there every couple of seasons. Can you imagine having that same thing on the right hand side? I would argue that we probably wouldn't be as successful to have been him in that era. Could be wrong, but I would say that if there was that sort of you know that sort of doubt on the right, he's a, he's our present, he's a mainstay, and he's hundred percent make his way into my team. Yeah, I'm going to pivot yep. back for a wee second. Good. I'm going to give you my third midfielder. Um, I've, I've got Rogic in here. Big Tam. Um, big Tam. Now there was a huge list of players that could have played at centre midfield for us. <laughs> Kyle was tremendous for us, although you know, know, probably wasn't. Um, you know, for that that period before he got injured, he was absolutely unplayable. Um, Key Sung Young's on my bench. Uh, I loved Key as well. He was a terrific player, and he's a guy I met him on a flight coming back from um, on a flight from London to South Korea, and had a good chat with him about Celtic, and he spoke so highly of the club, and I think he got a bit of a shock around, didn't he? And then England and realised that you don't get 60,000 at home every week and it's your biggest game of the season when you play for Swansea's in front of 15,000 people. You know, he spoke quite openly about um, how impressed he was by Celtic and the scale of the club, but I just couldn't really see past Rogic for a, for a few reasons. For as long as Rogic has been at Celtic, other than a couple of years under Brendan Rodgers, he's a guy that sort of danced in and out the team. And he's also a guy that I've always felt in it on the transfer window that there's a chance he might leave us. I don't know why that is. I've just, you know, even when he signed into, actually until he signed that five-year deal, um, a couple of seasons ago, he was just a guy that I always thought somebody might have took a punt on him. I guess it's worked out in our favour that he is prone to a bit of knock, um, at least once a season. You know, he seems to miss a few games here and there, uh-huh. and obviously the fact he's international, <laughs> um, you know, he plays for plays for Australia as well. I think takes my way for for certain points of the season. I just. I think he's a tremendous Celtic player. He would honestly at times, not every time, you know, certainly not as consistent, but he would at times where his touches put you in mind as a Dan. Um, you're like he can just sort of, you know, pirouette in a ball and, and make a pass and he just looks to me as if as a guy that football players themselves would appreciate and, and recognise his skill set was just it's just so sort of um you know, superior to pretty much probably the best football player we've had since Snacker. You know what I mean in terms of his, his technique, uh, his technique and his skill. Although I did love Tony Stokes, um, he was just, he's just an outstanding player, and I think he really, he really sort of became. He, he was a shoot in for this team after the goal against Aberdeen for me in the cup final. That was, you know, that was when he be, that's when he transcended just being a good Celtic player to becoming a. You know, he'll never get guy never need to buy a pint again. You know what I mean? No. Aye, there was that three. Those three seasons, the the end, Tyler's last season, that goal against Kilmarnock kind of typifies how good Rohic is, where it's just nothing wasn't going, was going away that day, and it was just throwing 
turned the eye like he wasn't there and then just absolutely melted it into the faraway corner. And he's good for five of them a season. <laughs> like, nobody else scores these amount of screamers. It's, it's unbelievable. He's brilliant. And uh, I've always said that I thought that I would rather try and mark somebody tricky on the wing, like James Forrest or Sinclair or somebody, than, than try and get anywhere near Rodic because he would just embarrass you. He would mug you off. And he's about six foot three as well. He's a big lad. And he's, I, mean, I'd, I would never get anywhere near him. That's the thing. He's, he's just. He's another he's guy who's. He's just. He's never. Never caused an issue. You know, you, ne- you never Aye. hear about Tom Rogic saying anything after Park. You know, there's been the odd yeah. issue when he goes to you know the international team for a month in January in the middle of a season or something. Like that. It's maybe no ideal, but. Um, but no, I just. I know what you mean. He, he just strikes me as a guy. He's a terrific player and. Uh, just a sound big guy, man. I think that goal against Aberdeen, as I say, last minute winner after extra time. You know, that that for me was the. Was a tipping point, so that's gave it. That's gave it the that's put him in the team for me. So who have you got left wing? Uh, left wing I've got gorgeous George. Samaras. Big Sammy. <laughs> Big Sammy. I needed to put him in somewhere. He's another one that's just a bit of a personal favourite. Just through that era. I really liked him. He was another one that got on half of the supports back because he would go missing and all that and he wouldn't be as consistent as people wanted him to be. But um, aye, I just I thought he was brilliant, man. And for him to come back as well and show that kind of attitude that uh, money's no, no everything. What he won, want to play football, no want to play in front of plenty of fans, club that he likes me, wants me to be there and everything. So that kind of attitude endeared him to the fans immediately. Um, and, I, and I just, every time, every time I think of him, I just think of these absolute brilliant goals that he's just ghosted by players like they're not even there I loved him he was class and that whole wee Jay thing as well it was just that was the first kind of from any f- footballers I suppose would kind of get involved with the fans like that and there's loads of other things now like what's his face that wee Bradley of course I kind of taking aye so there's and there's, a, no, there's other examples across Europe as well but I don't really remember the end of the day at Force Army I think any any select player that leaves a club with a day of the week named after him, uh, with Sammy Sunday, is uh, <laughs> you've done well, you know what I mean? And Definitely. He was one of the guys as well, I loved away from home in Europe. You could just put him in the left wing and just ping balls out of the tap, or, you know, up to his head, and he would just, you know, I've, I've not got him. the hardest job. I've not got him uh, in my team, um, but that's because I'm kind of playing a slightly different formation, but I thought he was... I thought he was terrific. I could, I can definitely see why you've put him in there. And as I say, under Lennon, especially towards the end of Lennon's time, he was, he was a big difference maker for us in a lot of big fixtures. And even Aye. away, like games like sort of, you don't really remember so much. I remember going away to Benfica. I was at the game, two thousand and twelve, November, October two thousand twelve, and we get beat. We ended up getting beat that game, or we missed the last minute opportunity equalised. But you know, he was just terrific. You could just see him getting the ball at his feet and just the confidence to just breeze by just, guys and. Terrific. He held it up as well. He was stronger than he looked. He was a lot stronger than he looked. And he had a lot those European games particularly the thankless task of being on the end of those long balls all the time with maybe against two units of centre backs smashing them and he never he never lost heart, you know what I mean? He kept going. So aye, he makes it for me. He's he's also scored two overhead kicks, so that's not a bad what a, what a guy. Um by my account You've got two players left. Correct. And 
of those two players, I'm going to hazard a guess that one of them is Moussa Dembele. Uh, wait a minute, so... Aye. Am I right in saying that one of them is Moussa Dembele? Correct. Correct. So on my notes, I've done a big sort of list for everybody. You know, things I've done and, and players I've played against. Um, next team out, I've just wrote Shaga. Um, the big man... <laughs> The big man was absolutely cigars. The minute he walked in the door, um, at that point, nobody knew it, but the minute he walked in the door um, until he left, us, he was he was night and day for a start. You know, he, he really drastically improved his game in the couple of seasons he was here. Um, but he was absolutely terrific. Um, I, I can't count, by the way. I've only got that. Dembele's my man up top. That's man it. up top. You're one? Aye. Is that you got one. 11 then, aye? Aye, that's we'll, it. We'll recap the teams in a second. Aye, we'll, do it. we'll go over it. So what, what made you put Big Moose in? I, I think the shock more than anything, and just how frightening he was, and he came out of nowhere. Fifty-one goals in ninety-four games. First Celtic player to score a hat trick against Rangers since Harry Hood. And I mean, he's gone for big money. He'll go for bigger money again. Mm-hmm. And dare I say, next major European Championship, he will or major uh, international championship. Sorry, he will make a real, real good claim to be. France's main striker he's he's got it all he's got pace he's got a touch he's got finishing he's such a well balanced all round player and it just took that kind of the first season he was a bit lightweight and then you could just tell he came back aye I'm you could just that. tell he came back he came back the next summer and he had been in the gym he was a unit well it's funny because as you were telling that I was going to I was going to explain my first memory of Big Moose I was Obviously, sign for his and he was signed for his and he was highly touted for Fulham, I think it was. Um, kind of highly regarded young player. We played against Motherwell at home, August two thousand and sixteen, and it was about a week before we played Astana. It's a midweek game, and I had to bought my ticket for the home cup uh, cup ticket scheme, so I basically just bought a ticket on the website uh, the night before, and just thought I'd take a wander in and sit behind the dugout. So I sat down behind the ceiling dugout, literally like three seats behind it, um, the first row. And a, there was a pause in play. Rogic scored two goals, and I think Big Musa scored one or two as well. We beat them 5-0. There was a pause in play, somebody went down injured at the halfway line, and I looked over at the guy who was doing injured, and I looked behind him, and Big Musa was standing up front, and he lifted his T-shirt up to wipe his forehead. And I'm no joking, mate. Like, you know, he, he kind of used to sort of stick his stomach out a wee bit. You know, like he used to sort of run, like when he would stand, yeah. he would sort of, like, he looked like he was blown hard. Mate, it looked like he had like a six pack, like an eight pack. Do you know what I mean? And I remember looking at it going, you know, he, he, I hadn't really sort of seen much of him by that point because he had that mad on haircut and all at the time. I remember looking at him going, he is like an absolute specimen. He's fit as, as fit as a fiddle, you know what I mean? Um, and he was obviously a lot more muscular than he sort of looked when when he first when he first joined. I remember kind of laughing at it, going, Christ, he's some size him. And then obviously he's the, the penalty against Astana, you know, the last minute to put us to the Champions League group stages. He's 19 at the time, you know what I mean? And he's just Vain, walking up and going, Vain's at ice. He's that ball, you know what I mean? Like, I'll just go and, I'll go and, I'll go and score this one and, and put us through to the next round. And, Don't worry, boys. <laughs> and he did, and he made it look easy. And, you know, that's that's what his, his greatest skill was. He just looked as if he could just put the team on his shoulder sometimes and go, listen, you do what you need today. I'll take care I'll take care of the back line, you know what I mean? And even the games against Rangers, I remember the, the 4-0 game, I think it was in the, the semi-final. And Cham gets a ball in the right wing in the first minute, chips it into the front post, and he, for somehow he just manages to get a shot in. 
and then you know, twenty minutes later, he's he's obviously just lost all respect for Ross McCrory because he gets the ball off, and he just runs just past him as if he's not there. McCrory yeah. gets sent off, you know, and he and he penenkas a subsequent penalty into the into the middle of the goal. Like he's, he was just you talk about big Virgil, and I think Dembele's probably the closest we've seen to that Aye. level of a complete player up here since then. Um, Aye, some serious sauce for the big man. Serious sauce, aye. Uh, and I think I think you're right. I think where he is just now, you'll go into bigger and better things than, than Leon. But I do remember sitting watching the 2018 World Cup. And it was at the time when he was still playing for us and he was just about to leave. But Big Giroud was playing up front for France. And I think it's the only team in the World Cup that have won it without their starting striker scoring a goal for the duration of the tournament. <laughs> And I remember watching the game, I was in, my mates was watching the final, and I remember watching it going, he couldn't really miss his boots. You know, like, that, that big guy Giroud is a, not a bad centre-forward, you know, and he's, he's had a great career, but I think that in itself might have been, a, if, if he wasn't even on the move already, I think that in itself could have been a factor in him going, because he must have been watching that going, that could be, if he'd moved to Celtic a season earlier and went to Leon, he'd have been in that squad for that World Cup. You know, he, he was just that, that good a player for me, and... Had a couple oh. of shoes with his hamstrings, but I think he was kind of a bit of timber for a wee while, and you know he looks to have remedied that. Saying he came back, but I don't think that was good weight. That, but I think that was, I don't think that was gym weight. It looked to me as if he was carrying a wee bit of extra sort of. No, extra I don't timber. Know. I could be it's just could be imbalanced. That's all. I could be wrong, but it, it certainly doesn't seem to be stopping him now. Anyway, he looks as if he's he's on a tear. Aye, um, and that's just my my striker left there, eh? my last one. That's yours. So Aye. I've kind of got Musa sort of. Playing right through the middle, but just to the left of him, uh, I've got the Griff. I've got Lee Griffiths playing at my my number eleven, uh, my number yep. my number uh, my number eleven, my inside left forward. Aye. Um, to, to use old speaking, the reason I picked Griffiths is just because of his absolute persistence at Celtic. Signed for us in two thousand and thirteen, right, and since then, to varying degrees of extent, uh, to, to varying degrees of success, he has seen off, and I use the word seen off as in he's stayed beyond or has beaten at the first team Stokes, Hooper, Samaras, Gadetti, Skepovic, Puki, Baldi, Carlton Cole, probably Vakunis of Bayo, and obviously Big Dembele left. <laughs> Apart from Dembele and Edward, you could argue that he was probably our number one starting striker for most of the decade uh, for, certainly for that three or four year period after Hooper left he's just so persistent and he's just right. you know th- there's been times where other strikers would maybe have spat the dummy out and been like he's a constant I mean certainly have tried to replace Griffiths at least a handful of times you know they've oh, tried to replace it, him eh? with, with a number of different strikers they tried to replace him in 2015 with, with Gadetti and Skepovic in the last day of the transfer market and how does he respond a 40 goal season you know what I mean? Like, and, and by the way, he scored forty goals that season. The player who scored the next um, highest number of goals for us was Rogic with eight, and then Commons <laughs> with five. You know what I mean? This is a guy who, who Dallas, you know, last season effectively carried the team, and I think he's he's been lost in a shuffle a wee bit because since Rogers came in, he's he's had a couple of players that have played here in front of him. But even against, I think it was um, Alashkert last season or two seasons ago now, he comes off the bench and he scores a goal. And this is after we've signed Edward for £9 million and he runs to the corner and he's shouting, I'm number one. Aye. You know, like, yes, at the time you're thinking, oh, you can't, mate, you're obviously, you're probably not going to be number one for much longer, <laughs> but you have to admire his persistence and, and not only that as well, he, he's, he's a terrific player. You know what I mean? Like, you, you put him on a football pitch and he's going he's gonna to make something happen for you. And 
I've got a lot of admiration for him as a as a guy for, for what he's done at Celtic and and you know he's I just I think he's an outstanding Celtic player and and definitely for me he pips Hooper uh, and he pips Stokes in that Aye. regard because he's he's sheer persistence you know. Aye, I agree. It's still only twenty nine. Still only twenty nine. I know that's the thing that everybody forgets. He signed for his right young, and he's he has been here for a long time, but I still still the right side of thirty for now. So you want to run through your bench quickly and then move into Candy Corner? Aye, quickly. It's just uh, Gordon, Matthews, Maldini, Kel McGregor, Keysung Young, Commons, uh, Griffiths and Hooper. Not bad. I've got Boric. I've got Boric, Virgil, Matthews, Key, Hooper, French Eddie and Paddy McCourt. Aye, I know. It was hard. To, this was really hard, leaving out players like McCourt. And, but, <laughs> aye, needs must. Must. So that took a bit longer than I thought it was going to be, but let's move on to, uh, to Candy Corner. Hi, what's been going on in the junior game, Jamie? You're the man in the know, I've no idea, but I've been oh, having a browse through the old Twitter verse this week and a few folk are not happy. What's going on? Tell us. I am one of them. Um, it's not been a good week, mate. I've got bad news. Um, I made a mistake last week to clarify it's no the Lowland League, St Rocks are joining, it's the West of Scotland League. And basically what we're joining is the pyramid system that could see us eventually get promotion to the Premiership if we, if we were so inclined. So what's happened is um, the clubs have collectively voted, 67 clubs, 64 that were in the leagues plus three new clubs, have voted to join the pyramid system. The pyramid system would see us all go in at tier six and then we would all compete in four conferences. So for example, if you're in the top division of the juniors and the bottom division of the juniors, you would all get shuffled up, you'd all go into four conferences and then you would fight it out to see who finishes in the Premiership who goes into the Premiership the next season and who falls into the other leagues. Except what's happened this week is it looks as if there's a bit of sort of dark arts going on. All the clubs have agreed to join the West of Scotland League, but it looks as if the big clubs, Pollock and Auchinleck Talbot uh, in particular, have been lobbying the SFA to establish a Premiership within this sort of new system. So as it, as it was going to work previously, it was going to, everybody was just going to get shuffled up. Where you would have been a Premiership club or a bottom division club, you were just going to go into... A conference league, and after the you know after the first season, you would get broke up and ended up in different, uh, different leagues based on that league position. Um, every club has voted based on that because that's what they did in East of Scotland when they when they joined the pyramid system. But the SFA on Monday announced that what they're going to do is they're going to have a Premiership because apparently they can't handle that many clubs joining their uh, disciplinary uh, oversight committee or whatever it is at the one time, which is an absolute lot of nonsense. Um, and it's effectively leaving the league organisers, the West of Scotland, uh, perplexed as to how they've been overruled by the SFA before a ball's even been kicked. So it's not good, right. mate. I think there's many people in the in the junior game, it was the junior game, feeling a bit aggrieved by the fact that they've effectively agreed to join a league that they thought was going to be one way, and at the last minute has, certainly not the last minute, but has effectively pivoted to, to something else. So, yeah... Basically, the two big boys have just said that we don't want to. We don't want to play like this. We're going to be want to play this way, and then they've they've maybe a bit of leverage somewhere. It seems so, mate. Um, that's that's certainly the rumours. There's rumours that the sort of the officials for the two clubs in question were contacting other managers and other clubs to see if they wanted to participate in this, you know, in this new league or you know what their thoughts were about participating in the new league. I don't know. There's no proof of this, mate. That's the thing. You know, it could be that you know that that. that uh, that this is just rumours and that, you know, both of these clubs are not at fault here and that the SFA have just come out and said this stuff. It's entirely possible, but I'd be very surprised if that was the case. As I say, the idea of... I mean, it's effectively about Celtic and Rangers 
getting put into the, you know, starting the game in the Scottish League and just everybody getting scattered into four different divisions with no sort of consideration for what was going to happen previously. You can see why the two of them have acted in their own interests. They've thought, look, you know, we've got nothing to benefit from playing away from home to, you know, St Rocks or whoever it is, and, you know, they don't, they don't, they're not up for it. They just want to continue to play their Premiership for another season and then eventually try and gain their promotion to the Lowland League, which would then see them with the opportunity to gain promotion to League Two. I think there's a yep. couple of things for them to consider here, which is that, you know, they're, they're big fishies and wee ponds, and the minute they start to kind of climb these tables, it's not going to be as, you know, it's not going to be as simple as, you know, routing these teams every week and, and, and winning, winning, the, winning the Super Division, you know? Definitely. Um, there's another factor as well, which is that, you know, they're, they're getting their, their press and that sort of stuff, and they have these Scottish Cup runs, which I think has enticed them into joining the, 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 the Western Scotland pyramid system, and then in the Lowland League, ultimately, with the aspirations of getting as high up as they can, but... You know, there'll just be another. There'll just be another club at that point. You know, there'll just be another. Um, it's, it's a hard one to take, mate, because I think we were all looking forward to a season where we get the opportunity to just go and play against a whole raft of new teams, and effectively that's been stripped phase. We've not got that chance anymore. So it's not been a good week in Candy Corner. Um, nah. It's been well, a bit rubbish. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I don't we'll know where we can go here, mate. I don't. I don't think we've got any recourse really to to, to resolve this. Um, it looks as if they're going to get their way and. As I say, there's not much we can do about it, but I know there's meetings going on last night and tonight, so I'll keep you updated and uh, you next week. Absolutely. Smashing. So, on to the final segment of the night. On this day, it should take two minutes, sir. Aye. <laughs> so, what's the day's date? <laughs> the day's date is the 29th. It's 29th April. And three years ago, the day. It was three years ago today. It was Celtic five, Rangers one at Ibrox, and two years ago today it was Celtic five, Rangers nil, at Celtic Park to win the league. So should we start off with the five one game? Why not? Let's do it. So great day. We, out. We Arguably day one of the best days of my life. Aye, we spent the day together. Um, it was a cracker. Um, start at the beginning. Eh? So. Uh, we get a train to Partick. We got a couple of half bottles. <laughs> Sweet, I forgot about that. We got a couple Sitting of bottles. Sitting drinking in the street. And then, we, uh, close. and then we jumped a, a taxi, I think, was it? Got my wee cousin. Got a taxi. Uh, and his pal, and we jumped a taxi out of Ibrox. And uh, the real story started about two years before that when my pal Megumi got me tickets to the. I can't remember what award ceremony it was, but it was living in Japan at the time. And uh, she basically got me tickets to to go and see a, uh, some sort of major, I think it was a Japan game or something like that, I can't even mind. And my mate Jamie came out as well, and she got him sorted for loads of stuff. And so she contacted me um, about two weeks before the game and said, listen, I'm coming to Scotland, can you get me a ticket for the game at Ibrox? Um, I've got a schedule planned of, of games I'm going to go and see in Europe. So of course you can imagine getting a ticket for Ibrox isn't quite as easy as, as uh, you know no. you know as you would think. But no, to get an idea, this woman's schedule. She arrived in Glasgow at half past ten in the morning, uh, and her first game was Celtic Rangers at Ibrox. The following day she was going to see Tottenham against Arsenal, and then the day after that it was Roma versus Lazio. Then on the Wednesday it was Real Madrid versus Atletico Madrid in the Champions League semi final. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before going to see Monaco versus Juventus in the other Champions League semi-final oh, and then she was 
going to Seville to Barcelona. No, sorry, BC in Milan. Sorry, to go and see Juventus. Oh, sorry, in between then she went to see Seville and Sociedad, then Juventus and Torino, and then Arsenal and Madrid, and then flew home that night to Hong Kong to to Tokyo for there. Um, so basically, she she wanted to get all the games in, and it was one of these situations where I couldn't really say no. Um, she'd done us a, a right few favours in the past, so uh, Megumi, her name was, um, and I've met her a lot of times since. A lovely woman. Um, she decided that she was going to come to that game. I managed to get a ticket somehow. And we agreed to meet her outside the KFC, um, if you remember, which is when we got the taxi for about half past Aye. 10 or 11 in the morning. Stone and waiting on it. And she turned up heat to toe <laughs> in a pink tracksuit. Pink velour trackie. A pink velour trackie. <laughs> With a backpack on. Um, and a pink walking stick. And a pink walking stick. <laughs> so I had not really give her the memo. It was my fault. But I mean, what I really should have said to her is, we're going to be a loser, man, if they come to the crowd, you know what I mean? Certainly not going to be a loser. Um, so I should have gave the memo and said, look, we're dark colours and that sort of stuff, but obviously she's got a different football and background for us and, and maybe I wasn't expecting. Um, this is a woman, as you can guess, for that schedule, who's been to games all the world. Um, she's been to games in all of Africa. She's been to every World Cup since, I think, 1994. Um, all the European Championships games. She was going to the European Championships a year after that. Um, it's going to be the year before that, 2016. She's just done it all. And uh, I think she would probably tell you that what she saw that day was, was magic. In fact, she said to me that day after we left, um, and we'll come to the score in a second, that before that game, the best game she'd ever seen live was uh, the last game at Highbury. She's an Arsenal fan. She said before that game, the last game she'd, the best game she'd seen live was the last game at Highbury. And she said the 5-1 game at Ibrox was the best game she'd ever been in. And I think that kind of gives you an idea that uh, what we're dealing with she's not even a Celtic Absolutely. fan so what's your recollection of that we get into the gun. we've been separated aye we've been separated I'm sitting next to your dad that's right aye, aye and Gary the boy I sat next to for the first season when I was at Celtic Park when I got my ticket uh, other than like Glasgow Cup games and youth games I hadn't been to Ibrooks in a long time Um it was just funny bits. <laughs> I can't believe how much how much disrepair. I'd heard rumours of its demise, but it was funny bits, man. So we get in through the wrought iron or whatever you call them, the 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 fences were just it was honestly it was like eighties. So we get in through there and me and your old man are sitting down in a usual, what do you think? Oh, I don't know, one nil, two nil, three one nobody and I mean, nobody run about his head anywhere than 3 0. And it, it was like, oh, but I think we might get lucky with a couple of them or whatever. And nobody had it on that we would absolutely do them in the style and the manner that we did. Um, and that was that was a, one of the, the best parts of it. It was just we, we got after such a good start, six minutes or something like that, seven minutes. And then as soon as that went in, we all looked at each other and we thought, yes, they're here for the taking, they've not turned up. As they say, race history. I think we spoke about it last week. Actually, the game before that was the uh, was the game the Sunday before that, which was the two one two zero game at Hamden. Aye. And I said to you last week that I thought if they were going to beat us that season, they would have put Everton into that game because that one they could have potentially won something. I feel like was effectively done by that point. So I had a feeling they would beat them two 0 at Hamden, but Big Moussa was out. If you remember, Big Moussa did he play? And I remember thinking to myself that would probably impair us for getting my right doing. Um, Aye, that's how I think a lot of folk run about us were a bit more conservative with our prediction. 
predictions. But I think, uh, as you say, after the first one, but it's weird because even after Boyata scored, um, it still didn't feel like we were running up the score. You know, it just felt like we were sort of, we were just scoring goals that were, were there for us. You know what I mean? Opportunities were there Aye. for us. And no so much as we the team we'll talk eight. about, but well, we could have had eight in a 5 0 game. The 5 0 game is a one I would say we, we could have absolutely took 10 off if we wanted to. But I, but I think this one at Ibrox, the chances we missed, I mean, Sinclair missed a really good chance, if you remember. Um, I watched it back today. There's there's three really good chances that were missed. Sinclair's, the, do you know the the best one out of them was what would have been the the best goal I would have seen Celtic ever score. Griffiths. If if Griffiths had pinged that and after Jozo had sent Lee uh, thingy you know. Kenny Miller into orbit, if Griff had pinged that six inches lower, man, it would have been in off the underside of the bar and. Oh, Aye, that would have been the best goal I think I'd ever seen in my, my own two eyes. Hmm. But I, I, and right after that, Sinclair, in the same move, he puts it about an inch past the post. It's so close to getting in. I think uh, Big Jozo's tackle was often celebrated, and if he does end up leaving it. at the end of the season, then at least we had that, you know what I mean? Like, he's gave Aye. us some, some memory there. Um, that was an absolute cracker. And I still maintain to this day that if the ball didn't hit the ref, he'd have sent Jozo off. I think the ball, no, no, because I think it was a red card. But you know, the argument that maybe he was he was out of control or he was going too fast or whatever it is. I don't, I don't really know the rule. I don't, I don't particularly care to be honest with you. But I think that the fact that he tackled Miller, it cleared the ball and then the ball scalped the ref. I think gave him a sort of split second to think yes, and go. <laughs> you know, instead he's just getting a whistle when he sees an aggressive act in the park. He sort of panicked a bit. I think the Griffiths' goal was an absolute humdinger. Oh um, McGregor's is a cracker. McGregor's is a sort of underrated one because he plays a one-two and loses it and then brings himself back into the play by sort of screaming for uh, the ball and making a good run and not making Tavernier for it's isn't he bad, but PC Lustig. Do you know what I mean? That uh, I mean and it's when he, he wins that as well. He wins it in the middle of the park. He spots a kind of half-hearted kind of hospital ball that's played into the middle, nips in, Skins two of them, I think it is, and then just slots it, and that's that rounded it off perfectly for me. It really did. If any any deserved, other than maybe Bruni, if any deserved a goal, it was a big man. Yep, hundred percent. Um, can you agree, Matt? And I think it was. Uh, I think after it, we met a couple of folk for the for the Tokyo CSC. A couple that's of right. folks had just happened to be in town that day as well, um, and I think that was. Uh, that was a nice night. We, we treated him a bit of culture. Treated him a bit of culture, took him to St Vincent's, a couple of pints, <laughs> and then I can't remember where we went, to be honest with you. I think we had a couple of pints of Jury's Inn, because that's oh. where we were staying, wasn't it? And then that's, uh, I we had a couple of pints in there first, and then we, we moved on for theirs. I just don't really yeah. remember what happened after the Vincent, to be honest, mate. Put it in our bed, and then went back to my house and just get one of the cans, didn't we? Aye. So that was the first one um, on this day three years ago. On this day two years ago, I was on a flight back for South Korea. Um, my flight left at, I'm going to say 6 a.m., uh, no, it was 10 a.m., which is about 2 a.m. UK time, which meant I was flying 13 hours during the game. So I missed the 5 0 game. I missed the game of Rangers 5 0 to win a league. But my, the one thing I will say about it is this is how dominant we were at this point is that I remember going on at the plane. And can I tell you a funny fact, mate? Actually, do you know who was on that flight with me? Megumi. There we go. In my mother's life, I was, I was in the departure lounge at Seoul, 
and I didn't even know she was going to be there and she didn't know I was going to be there and she was going from Tokyo to Seoul and Seoul to Amsterdam it's going to be Seoul to London to go and see Arsenal play uh, for Wenger's last game I think it was Wenger's last game she was going for and um, <laughs> I know someone's erupting it exactly a year to the day um, since I'd saw her she she was sitting in the departure lounge and I was, it was so weird that I might have seen her that I actually put my phone in my ear as if I was on the phone to somebody and shouted Megumi so that it looked as if I was talking to somebody called Megumi on the phone and she yeah. looked up and I was like, I can't believe you're here. It's just like, chances of meeting somebody in an airport departure on the other side of the world. Um, so basically, I got off a plane at the other side and checked my, my, my live score and it was 5 now, And I was disappointed. That's, <laughs> that's how dominant we were. <laughs> I remember speaking to her on the plane and going like that. If we don't score any more than 6 in this game, I'm, uh, any less than 6 in this game, I'm going to be upset. You know what I mean? I was looking at the 7-1 game going, we've got a chance here to reset the... Aye. And by the way, we did. We should have. We should have. Definitely. So I understand only you were quite drunk that day. I was wrecked, aye. Me and my dad started drinking at lunch. Well, obviously kick-off was early, but we were uh, we were in the crown for our, our usual pre-match pints, but we were in maybe one or two earlier than we would have been normally. Hopped in there for the, the doors opening. Uh, my dad doing his usual. We down your dip and inside his pocket, we bought a gin. Mm-hmm. So we had that on the way. Uh, a gin and tonic, I should say. We, or soda, sorry, not gin and Same tonic. Tariff. Aye. So we had that on the way down to the ground and a wee snifter on the inside. And of course, there's a family sitting next to us, a kind of young family. Um, I'd say the Mondar in their early 40s and they've got a couple of young kids, but the Mondar, they like to have a good time and all, so they'd snuck a, snuck a wee drink in. So we're all, we're all partying by lunch uh, by half time, sorry. It was Sunday, man. The weather was class, it was just perfect. And we were five now up there for 50 minutes, weren't we? Something like that, aye. So that's what I kind of meant when I was, I was saying about the opportunity to really go at them, you know what I mean? At least with the 5-1 game at Ibrox, we scored them at the 90th minute or something we lost but 5 nil after 50 minutes, we really should have called off the dogs, you know what I mean? We should have just absolutely went for it and, and tried to get a record, uh, a record uh, score that day, but ugh, it is what it is. I think that was Big Eddie's coming out party, wasn't it? Aye, the big man stepped up at the plate that day. I think Musa was, was in class. And... Uh, Yep, I remember watching him like a back up the road, and uh, he was he was outstanding. As I say, and Forrest getting his first Celtic Rangers game uh, goal as well as a, an absolute doozer. Uh, I think the the biggest mark of disrespect that we had towards him that day was the fact that Jack Henry came on. Did he? Aye, aye for Lustig, he got twenty minutes at the end. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, so should we call aye. it here? Aye, we've gone on a bit. I've got a. Uh, I think we've doubled our episode time actually. I don't think anybody uh, will listen to this full thing. If you listen to this no, full thing, no chance. Text me the word Dembele. That's it. If you get to this point in the pod, text me the word Dembele, and I'll know you've listened to the full uh, bifter. Um, quick question for you then. Actually, two things. Your starting lineup on the first game of the decade was against Rangers at home. It was one each, and their starting lineup was Boric and goals. A back four of Andy Hinkle, Gary Caldwell, Glenn Lovins, and Fox, Scott Fox. No, no, um, Scott Fox, what was his name? Danny Fox. Danny Fox, just before he left. He's only used for six months, wasn't he? Uh, um, with a midfield of Lanzi and Glenmo, Mark Crossas, and Barry Robson. And then on right mid was Aidan McGeady, and left mid was Giorgio Samaras, and up front was Mark Antoine Fortuny. And a bench was Zalushka McManus, Thompson, Caddis, McGinn, Zheng Zhi, and Scott McDonald. 
Rangers team that day um, was mince and they still managed to draw one each ways. Uh, Scott McDonald scored their goal and Lee McCulloch scored in the 81st minute for them. So that was our first game of the decade. Obviously our manager was uh, Tony Mowbray. Our last game of the decade was also Rangers at Celtic Park and our starting lineup was Forster, Frimpong, Julian, Ayer and Bollingoli, Brown McGregor, Forrest, Christie, Johnston and Edward. So I put it to you, who would win out of the two teams? Uh, the end of the decade. You think so? Aye. And who's the manager of the decade? It's Neil Lennon. Good man. It doesn't even bear thinking about. Good man. We'll finish early then. Aye. Excellent. So tune in next week and we'll try and do this in half the time. Um, at least. Hopefully. We'll be looking at our biggest flops of the past decade. <laughs> which will be a nice conversation to have but I think it will be quite an interesting one um, depicting how we, we, we kind of measure things up so again if you've listened to this point text me the word Dembele right now and I'll you a pint and uh, thanks again for listening thanks folks see you next week see you when we see you